the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. This program is brought to you in part by Let's Get Real, where forensic accountant Tiffany Couch uses her financial skills to shine the light on the real issues we face every day. If you'd like to make decisions based on fact rather than on cultural pressure, go to letsgetreallife.com, a place where you can find tools to improve your communication skills and to increase your connection to humanity. That's letsgetreallife.com. Today on the show, to kick off the new year, we're going to talk with Canadian activist Lauren Southern. But first, two quick announcements. If you have not become a Patreon supporter, now is the time to do so. As always, there are four very economical levels, and those who sign up at the $20 level receive a signed copy of the Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage. I've extended this offer through the end of January, so act now. Just go to SuzanneVenker.com and click on the podcast button at the top, and you'll see the Become a Patron pay, uh, button Excuse me, on that page a little ways down. Finally, have you ever considered marriage coaching? If the wife or husband you once knew seems to have disappeared, don't throw in the towel before trying coaching first, which is very different from counseling. Coaching isn't clinical or meant for people with mental health issues. It's more of a mentoring program for those who've been there, done that, and who want to see you succeed. So many of my clients are shocked to learn that the tools they need to sustain love have been available to them all along. But in a culture in which equality reigns, they haven't had permission to access the glorious differences between women and men that make love work. I can help you develop the skills you need to speak your spouse's language and to create a more peaceful and passionate relationship. If your marriage is struggling, sign up now for your free 30-minute exploratory call by simply going to SuzanneVanker.com and clicking on the button at the top. And now on with the show. Lauren Southern is an independent journalist, author, and documentary filmmaker from Canada. She's currently completing the production of her third documentary film, Crossfire, which investigates the political power struggle between Black Lives Matter and police forces in America. In addition, Lauren has written a new children's book called Henry the, Henry the Sheepdog, which is the main reason I wanted to have her on today because I love the book's message, which you're going to hear about in just a little bit. Despite these various successes, however, according to Lauren, her most important project to date is being a mother and a wife to her wonderful family in Australia, where she joins us from now. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So great to talk with you, especially for the first podcast of the new year. Yay, 2021. Thank God. Thank God. Like we're we mad that we can have everything disappear. But you know what? Like, yeah. yeah, let's hope it doesn't just keep going downhill. We all keep saying 2021 is going to be better. Let's uh, let's hope we've manifested I, that. I know. Just... So how did you experience it in Australia? I mean, what? So tell us a little bit how you got to Australia from wherever you were before that. Yeah, it's been a bit hectic because we um, it was actually just for my husband's work initially. And we weren't really sure how long or um yeah, how long we'd be in Australia, what the plan was going to be. And we're like, we'll go there for your work and then we'll figure it out in a bit where we want to be permanently. Of course, COVID kind of uh, threw a spanner in the mix and Mm -hmm. made that, no, you guys are staying in Australia, Um, which of course I had told my family, no worries, we can visit, we'll be back soon. And now they haven't seen their grandson for half a year. It's been a bit of a nightmare on that end. but you know, it's been hard yeah. for everyone. We've all been separated from our families, but it's definitely, uh, I think, a little extra tough when it's my my parents' first what? grandchild. Yeah, you know, of course, they just met him once or uh, twice. Or twice. Yeah. And when will you? So what? What? You coming home soon? I to visit. You can't, you can't leave Australia right now. No. Can't get back in. It's uh, and now and now even if for some reason they do let you back in they you have to pay for your own quarantine hotel and it's just ridiculous the flights are all crazy expensive take like 40 hours <laughs> oh so i'm so sorry a bit of a oh my gosh still Deep alive breath. still breathing okay all right <laughs> until to be continued i guess mm-hmm. so 
Okay. One of the things, so here's how I want to start Lauren. So if people, some of the people who are listening to this, of course, have heard your name and some haven't, if they don't, they can Google Lauren Southern S O U T H E R N and they'll get all kinds of information and all kinds. I know the feeling, believe me. So rather than go by that, I would like to give you the space here to just tell us who you are and what you do and why in your own words. Yeah, I, Firstly, I wanted to talk about um, Socrates, because Socrates had a philosophy of never writing anything down, because he never wanted people to judge him for what he thought three days ago or four days ago. He's like, maybe I'll have changed my mind. And I really wish the internet was like that. You know, we had some semblance of people grow, people, you know, their thoughts five years ago are going to be different from their thoughts now but no everything you do is memorialized on the internet forever and no one like no one looks at that little date when it was published below the video they just say this is you as a snapshot in time and this is how I will judge you forever it's always you so you'll see and you know what that's already a difficult thing to deal with because as much as I am proud of most of my work that I've done before there are things that I disagree with however that's actually not even the biggest problem with looking me up online it's people have genuinely just invented so much about me and how the media works, how Wikipedia works is they all just back up each other's lies and it's created this whole spider web of who Lauren Southern is. But who am I actually? Um, Yeah, I started out in political commentary when I was actually still a teenager. I was 19 years old making YouTube videos. I'm now 25. And uh, I made a lot of conservative content, a lot of kind of more libertarian questioning feminism, did lots of street activism. I went to protest and protests and questioned protesters why they were out there, why they were raging against the system. And they used to kind of be like funny debate videos that would go viral. And I kind of got out of that space in 2018, 2017 to make documentaries because I felt the social commentary world has been so saturated, oversaturated, and I wanted to add something new, like deep dive investigation from perspectives that often don't have the resources or abilities. Dissidents don't have big Hollywood backing. They don't have the huge news networks in America, 60 Minutes, all these film crews to fly out all over the place. So I said, why don't I try to do it anyways? So I remember the first documentary I made, my team and I, we literally had like, I don't know, like 15 grand in the bank. And we're like, let's spend it all on buying flights to South Africa and see how we go. We have no money. We'll be sleeping on couches the whole way there. We're going to have to make a whole documentary on a shoestring budget. And we did it. And people were shocked and amazed. It got two and a half million views, did incredible and been doing it ever since. That's so fascinating. And that was what year? Uh, I think 2018 was when I did Farmlands. So, okay. So you moved away from going around because the last time I remember, or the first time I remember seeing you was that exactly what you said, going around the microphone, like that guy does from um, uh, PragerU. Yeah. I started it. I'll have you know. No, I wasn't the first, but I was one of the first. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you were because I remember seeing those and I'm like, wow, man, she has balls. Uh, I'm like, what's that? (laughs) I mean, you kind of put me to shame. People think I have balls. I'm like, you know, really? I don't, you know, there's always somebody who has more for sure. And you're one of them. That, so how did you get into, why, why did you do that? Who, where did, what's your background that, what's your personality that drives you to do that? You know, I was in, I'm trying to think when that exact video was made. I was in university at the time and studying political sciences. And I always had a bit of a dissident opinion on politics as is. I was very libertarian. I wouldn't say I was conservative when I was in university. Mm-hmm. In fact, I ran for the this Libertarian in Party Sorry. in Canada. In- yeah. yeah. And Oh, I was in a gender studies class at the time. I was in an English course. Why, Lauren? T- Why? I know. Why I, did you take gender studies? Some sadism, no masochism. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but the, it was actually this English course I took even before gender studies that was just so inundated with progressive talking points. And I'm like, I paid 
to learn to speak English better, to write better. Like, why, <laughs> why am I being told all of your political opinions 24-7? And in fact, it got to the point where he was actually teaching us how to misspell things and why we should deliberately misspell things to dismantle the systems of white supremacy and patriarchy and all of this. So I remember getting my English test at the end of the year, like the final exam, and it had a poem on the front talking about how George Bush needs to be put in prison for life or something. And every single word was spelt wrong. Killed was spelt K-E-E-L-D and all like it was all spelt wrong. And I just looked around at my classroom and everyone's taking this very seriously looking down to like this very serious test we're doing. And I just laughed. I was like, is everyone crazy? Is no one else looking at the front of our English test? Everything is spelt wrong on it. And it's just political propaganda. And I just like sat there and I was, this is insane. This is insane. And no one was really, there were, I, I grew up, you know, there was like Dennis Prager, Michael Savage, you had like Fox News, but there weren't a whole lot of millennial commentators mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. making it cool and interesting for young mm -hmm. people to question this stuff. I think Sargon of Akkad was around at the time, but it also wasn't really on screen in real life. It was just kind of, you know, talking yeah. to the camera a little bit. So I wanted to throw a spanner in the mix there and change things up. <laughs> Do you ever, I mean, I've been in this same boat. I mean, I guess every has at some point where all, everyone around you is not reacting the way you are and so for me that just fuels me even more to want to shake them and be like what the hell what why don't be such sheep but yeah the most I find that most people who are in that same boat that you just described think there's something wrong with them that if which is natural in human nature if everybody thinks one way and you think different you, that's why they end up going along to get along because they figure there must be something wrong with them. Why would you think right. so differently? It's like so maybe, tempting. That's so interesting. Maybe if they look at the test, they're like, why do I think this is stupid? Like, this is what a professor is telling me. I must, yeah, I must not be smart enough to understand why I should be spelling things wrong. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, it really takes gaslighting a to a whole new level. Yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, so, so that's just, very, very interesting. And are your, is your family, you have siblings and do your, do your parents, are they like you or are you like them or? Yeah. You know, my, my dad is really into political radio and he never pushed it on us. And in fact, I would say quite the opposite. He, instead of telling us like he, he has a conservative bent in his leanings, but he would never, ever tell us, you have to believe this. You should believe this. I would just come home from school and he was an invested parent. This is something I would recommend every parent be actually ask what your kid is learning in school. We're going to talk about that in a minute yeah, when we get to your book actually, for sure. Yeah, yeah, engage. And he would ask every day, what are you learning? What are you talking about? And instead of saying, no, don't believe that, you have to believe this, he would say, oh, that's interesting. Have you thought about this question? Have you thought about that question? No. And he would oh, just one get of those. the yep. process, my little hamster wheel in my brain going. And once that's, that's awesome. once that's happened, it's so over for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's so great. And you're right. That is, I believe parenting is the answer with all this. And we'll come back to that in a minute. I wanted to start by talking about this video that you, um, it was just a really short video in November of 2017. And it's technically titled why I'm not married, which of mm -hmm. course you are now, but at the time you were 22, it has over one and a half million views. And the point of making that video you said was to challenge or to discuss this modern view of how relationships should work, which of course now you're getting into my territory. So I wanted to start there because I loved the video. Um, and one of the things that you said in there, like this is a, supposed to be a really big deal, which it's not, quote, on average, women are happy being married with kids, end quote. <laughs> yes. Which of course gets extrapolated to mean all women should be married with kids. And if they're not, you have a loser life and so on and so forth. So, so let's talk about this video and what you said in there in full and what the reaction was. Well, you know, what's funny is you say that quote and it makes it sound like this video is um, like responding to feminists or something. And like, I'm saying, hey, arguing against you. But this video was actually responding to people who deeply misunderstood the arguments for marriage and for having children. People who were like, well, why aren't you married now then yet? Why, why don't you have seven kids? Clearly you're a hypocrite. And 
I either just people seem to only be able to operate in extremes online. It's either mm-hmm. you're running around boozing it up, never getting married, sleeping with every guy you meet, or you're settled down married with 20 kids and wearing a burqa or something. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like there's, there's a vast middle ground, vast. A vast middle ground. Um, first of all, you know, the idea of getting married to someone and having kids, cause it makes you happier. That doesn't mean you go and settle down with the first guy you meet. That doesn't mean you just go grab one and instantly have kids. No, you have to, you have to make sure it's going to be something that lasts. You have to make sure this is someone you want to spend the rest of your life with. You have, you know, the, you're in a position where you want to raise kids at that, like making a goal, you have to actually make steps to get there. You don't just go and yes. do it instantly. So people who have that, had that critique, I was so frustrated with it because it was so stupid. It would actually be the least traditional thing in the world to just go and marry the first guy you meet because it would probably mm-hmm. end in divorce, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, yeah. So I did another video called what every girl needs to hear, which was more of the, um, just kind of non-traditional, not, actually not more traditional advice for women that they wouldn't normally hear from mm-hmm. modern culture. You know, marriage is a great thing. Kids mm-hmm. are a great thing. Mm-hmm. Not sleeping around, probably a better thing for your life. And this is absolutely mm-hmm. the opposite of what we're getting in everything women's magazines, hear. everything mm-hmm. we're hearing. And mm-hmm. that's not to say you have to do it. I'm sure there are people that are the outlier that we wouldn't be happy married, that wouldn't be happy with kids, but you don't use the outlier as your main argument. <laughs> you don't look at the outlier to uh, navigate your life. No. So it was basically just doing, essentially what I do is you're just throwing out, hey, there's this whole other way of moving through the world and thinking about these things and you're not getting it from anyone anywhere. So let me share it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's not to say don't consume other content, but like you're literally not getting anything from this side. You're not hearing any argument from the other side. And I also think that's why people assume I'm more extreme than I am because my, it doesn't mean I don't agree with some things on the left, but that's already being said so much. Like, you know, the conversations about there are some bad men don't stay in abusive relationships, da, 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 da. Like all of that has been said a lot. And of course I agree with that, but there are all these arguments on the other side that are just completely ignored. So I'm found to only world, to be dearie. saying this, this is, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. This is it. And so by saying that without Putting the you have to put the qualifier in every yeah. single time, or the assumption is that you obviously agree that those other things are okay. I, it, to me, it doesn't need to be said because you're you're hearing it ad nauseum. That's precisely, the whole point. I'm, precisely, precisely. Right. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. Okay, so you talked in there about um, the fact. That, look, going back to what we we're saying right now, that your generation in particular. So you're 25. So you're you're a millennial. They're 25 to 40 right now, but you're on the low end. So you're kind of bordering the next generation, aren't you? Is that fair? Or are you oh, like Gen Z? Solid yeah. Millennial? I'm, I'm yeah. a millennial, but I'm really, yeah, I'm very close to Gen Z. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about how your generation, because, um, because you've grown up in the anti-male anti-marriage propaganda, that it's hard for you to understand how to do relationships. Right. And yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So that's something I wanted to say as well. I find people who have, you can find some people on like the very, Uh, far traditionalist side of things Mm -hmm. that they kind of reject and push away anyone that has fallen down the postmodern hellhole slide and gotten into that world. Like maybe they're a girl that's joined OnlyFans because that seemed like the best option. Maybe they're someone who has been divorced or made mistakes and they just say, you are irredeemable. You're a degenerate. You can never like you can never get your life together. And that is, if you look at the world that way, and that's how you view promotion of kind of more conservative values, no one's going to be a conservative because quite frankly, right. we've all been raised in this right. broken world. We have right. all been raised with terrible advice and it's going to take a while for us to figure out how to get our life back on the track. So if you don't have some sort of love for people and say, Hey, you know, I understand why you did these things. I understand we all have healing to do. Here's how we can work towards that. And you just say black and white, no, get married and have kids. And if you didn't do that, you're done. Um, it's just, no one's going to be more conservative because they'd be able, they can't. No, it's the same argument for when religious people get upset. Cause I don't, you know, espouse religion in my work. And um, first of all, I'm not skilled enough to do that. Even if I wanted to, it's just not my area of expertise. But second of all, even if it were, I wouldn't use that route to make an argument because I, 
I want to reach the secular world. And I believe that love and relationships can exist. Um, not, not so much without God, that's another conversation, but not without specific religion and dictates from those religions. So to say God said to do this, or the Bible said to do that is not going to sway people who don't believe in God. It's just not. You have to meet people where they're at. Exactly. So yeah, it's kind of similar to that. I guess what you were just describing reminded me. Yeah. Some people just like a feedback loop loop of their own opinions and it doesn't, it's just, you can't, and and, you know, that that'll make a lot of money online for some people, but you can't, Mm -hmm. if you actually want to help a wider group of people, you do have to reach, yeah, reach them where they're at. Um, So just, just to sort of encapsulate the message of that little video then, and the way I saw it when I was listening to it is it made me think about how the way I've always described it for your generation is that the baby was thrown out with the bathwater mm-hmm. in that the idea that um, it's like the idea of extremes that you were just describing because we didn't want life to look constrained for women back in the day, as it was um, not from anything that men did to them, but because that's the way society was at the time, we now have opportunities and whatnot, but the, um, the idea of having more replaced the meaning of life, when I, which I consider the meaning of life, which is a family yeah. and your relationships, rather than adding to it and figuring out how to work both into the equation, which is what I'm all about. And what my very first book was about was, hey, here are the needs of children. Here's what marriage and family brings let's not throw that out with this other plan that you have for women. Let's figure out a way to incorporate that in a way that works. But instead they just got rid of it and taught one thing to women. And then we wonder why 30 years later, they're miserable and unhappy because their love lives are in the toilet, their family lives are a mess. And they realize that success isn't all that at the end of the day. Yeah. And you know what, I will say, even with myself like it's it's been confusing to navigate because there is so little um nuanced and (laughs) you know in that wide middle sphere advice it's all the extremes so when I had a kid I was like oh I'll just back away from everything I'm doing entirely and just focus on my kid and I realized actually you know I couldn't imagine my life without my son best thing I've ever done in my life Uh, like made me just such a more fulfilled human being but I also was like I feel like I'm missing something I still really enjoyed doing my work and -hmm. there's a way that I can do that I'm still doing full-time mothering and then when my son naps I was writing Henry the Sheepdog (laughs) I was working on other things and that was fulfilling and my husband even noticed that in me he's like you actually need to keep your mind busy outside of the mom world a little to be a fulfilled human like full feel full as well so Mm -hmm. and you know that's a middle ground that it's like no, 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 no. You can't do that. That's impossible. But you're so right. There is this happy medium where you don't throw, you don't go around throwing babies out all over the place. (laughs) Well, it's just not, and it's, it's just, it isn't workable for most people. And it doesn't, it's just not what most people want. And even research wise, it just shows that most mothers, specifically married mothers now, not single mothers, because that's a different category, but most married mothers prefer to work part-time or not at all while they have children at home. So mm-hmm. between birth and 18, while they're doing that period of your life, which is a very small period of most women's lives, since we don't have five and six and seven children anymore. And we live longer lives on top of that. So there is a way to structure your life early on by making the right decisions in order to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but prioritizing what you ultimately want. And if what you ultimately want is a marriage and, and motherhood, then you you focus on that as the center of your life and you make all the other decisions around that rather than the reverse, which is what we teach women to do is to put this career at the center and try to fit marriage into it. And of course it's not working yeah, because that's the wrong order of things. in, in my opinion, it's amazing. So almost all of my girlfriends have had kids around this time as well, which has just been fantastic. And it's amazing how I've seen them become so, dedicated and very clever in shifting their work life to match motherhood. So I have girlfriends that are photographers and Mm -hmm. now they work that entire schedule around their babies. I have girlfriends, two girlfriends actually, who have started small businesses that they can work at from home for the sole purpose of being able to quit their full-time job and be home with the baby and work on that. 
being online, people who do social media marketing and all that. I have girlfriends who do that and they've switched, they've quit their day job and switched full time to that so that they could be home with their babies. Love it. It's so intuitive. So I'm seeing, or I want to know if you're seeing, I'm seeing a move toward earlier marriage, which I think is really fabulous. And I want to know if you're seeing that on your end at all for um, the younger set. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to like I, in within my own friend group. Yes. But I feel like we're a bit out of the norm. Um, and I, I like the, I think of the average age here in Australia for having your first baby is 31 for women actually, and a bit older for men. So I, maybe that's a trend. Maybe that's a conversation that's beginning to happen more amongst young people. More seen, that, I mean, not necessarily doing it yet, but planning for it and feeling free to talk about it and and just move back to that whole concept yeah well I think we've realized what's going on right now clearly isn't working people are extremely unhappy it's even people who are like in it they're in the full-time clubbing hookup culture scene they're very transparent about saying this is like terrible I am not enjoying myself yeah like if you listen I, I listen to a lot of like podcasts and content and I never used to do this actually. And I realized that my, my content that I listened to was very insular to conservative communities a few years ago. And I decided mm-hmm. to really switch that and start listening to content and podcasts that had nothing to do with politics and were just like really popular amongst uh, women my age, just to try to understand this group that I actually want to reach out to and talk to. And so I actually started listening to the Call Her Daddy podcast. Have you heard of it? No. It's one of the no. most popular podcasts for women. You really need to listen to it. Call Her Daddy. Show. Call Her Daddy. This down. So it's, okay. um, it's like a girl's locker room talk podcast. And it is, it would literally be the opposite of every single piece of advice you give. Their motto is like cheat or be cheated on. And it's, it's like semi comedy, but also a lot of people do take it seriously. So I, I, I started listening to that just to kind of understand what more, what most yeah. millennials and young people listen to and the content they consume, the relationship advice that they consume. Um, and yeah, even, even on the podcast, the girls, they they joke all the time that all they do is go talk to their therapists and they're miserable and everything in their life is a complete disaster and a mess. And all they do, but is they don't know why they don't know why. Well, they, so they, this is, what's interesting is they would just kind of say that's life. No matter what you do, you're going to be miserable and you might as well, like uh, the, the other one, fina- you might as well finesse everyone else instead of get finessed. It's a very nihilistic view on life, but I find mm-hmm. I appreciate the honesty. I like that people are uh, honest about, you know, this is, this is kind of a miserable existence, but here we are. Cause then at least once you've accepted that you can say, well, why don't we try to find something different? Don't know what that are they doing is, that? but are they asking? Oh no no no, they're not asking oh, that. No. But I'd like to think at least the <laughs> listeners might be. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that sounds terribly depressing, Lauren. Okay. <laughs> when you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love, and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneVenker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. All right, now I want to get to um, your book, Henry the Sheepdog, and let you tell everybody about it. It just came out in November. Um... And why don't you tell us what the message of Henry the Sheepdog is? 
which I love. Yeah, so I initially wrote Henry the Sheepdog. I wasn't even thinking about publishing it publicly. It was for my son because of all of the media stuff that has come out and stuff that like is just blatant lies about me. And I'm like, well, at least I can kind of teach him how to how to treat the media, how to engage with the world of news and how to have a healthy skepticism about things he reads, mm-hmm. if I can write him a little storybook. And I used to always love, uh, you know, I grew up reading C.S. Lewis, um, Greywall, all of these stories with like little animals that ran around and had little personalities and battles they were fighting. So I did it with all these little animals that lived in the village Mossville. And Henry the Sheepdog is coming to visit his friend Basil on his way a bear uh, comes to attack them and Henry fends off the bear to save his friend Basil unfortunately there's a journalist hiding in the bushes who snaps a picture of Henry but hadn't seen him at all before so he just assumed that's always what Henry looked like with his teeth bared growling and barking and didn't see the bear when he took the picture runs back to the town of Mossville publishes this picture all over the place he's like this is going to go viral or the the paper version of viral anyways and uh, it does the whole village can't believe that a wolf is coming to town and they all start the pack and horde and the anti-wolf crowd to protest uh, poor henry the sheepdog and no one is willing to believe basil that he's just his sheepdog friend that's that's the premise of the story did you want me to go and well okay so and then i'm gonna i'm gonna read from something that i think you i think this was in a video because you did a video about it right okay So I wrote this down. So I think these are your words exactly. Um, The idea that parents shouldn't impose anything on their children or it's otherwise that's indoctrination is absurd. If you don't share your values with your child, a teacher will give your child values. The state will give them values. Celebrities will give them values. Children are highly impressionable. Guide them with wisdom and love and don't let the world take a hold of their mind. And this of course is what I wanted to talk to you mostly about today because that Hmm. that's hitting the core of what I believe. And I have raised, I'm about to be an empty nester and I have raised my husband and I, I know (laughs) crazy. I literally gave birth yesterday. I don't know what happened, but my husband and I have raised them very counterculturally. I just did a podcast, how to raise countercultural kids. And that's basically exactly my message. What, what you said there. So let's just talk about that for a minute. I just feel like the only answer to the madness that we are dealing with, with the indoctrination and with the propaganda is parenting. I don't see another outlet except for that. Absolutely. And people are trying to convince you that parenting is wrong. And when I mean people, I mean like popular culture, popular figures, celebrities, uh, activists. I got so much backlash when I came out with this book. So many comments saying, look at, yeah, look at Lauren. She's trying to indoctrinate children. She's trying to force her opinions. Why are you bringing, why are you dragging kids into politics? (laughs) These people say, um, and I know it's, it's like, no, no, no. Actually I'm teaching them to think. Try to stop you from doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually not even bringing them into politics. I'm teaching them how to think about people who force opinions. Who on do them. exactly what they say. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. So how to think critically, how to come up uh-huh. with, with their own opinions, but mm-hmm. that's, that's very dangerous to the narrative. So we can't have that. But even if I were, even if I were kind of imposing a bit of my political worldview, as I said, everyone else on the planet is trying to take hold of your child's mind every there's even i wouldn't doubt foreign state operations they've talked about tiktok having certain algorithms to uh, like radicalize kids into certain political ideologies there is big tech your teachers governments uh political activists they all want your child to agree with them and they are going to whoever gets there first is going to win because kids are impressionable. That's right. They believe right. everything an adult. Their minds them. are being formed totally. as you're raising them. They are being formed. Like just think of, I remember my parents as a joke told me that their full-time job was being bank robbers. when I was like six or seven. And I was like, Oh, I can't believe my parents are bank robbers. And they obviously were like, we're just kidding. But like, you believe everything adults tell you. They're well, just think about Santa Claus when you yes. get old enough to realize and you look back, you're like, what? What the hell? How could I have possibly believed that a man comes down the chimney in every house in the world? I mean, there's no greater example of how impressionable and how what, what how sponge-like children are. That's why totally. our jobs as parents is so awesome and so amazing 
and people who don't take it seriously make me crazy. Absolutely. And you have to, yeah, whatever you have to fill that sponge up so it doesn't go elsewhere and get, you know, filled with Coca-Cola junk food thought and you come home and it's too late. You know, there's nothing else you can put in there. You have to combat. It's going to take a lot of squeezing to try and get that junk food out. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's such bad advice to not really be invested and involved. invested and engaged. And I think in fairness to parents, this whole thing that's happened with propaganda indoctrination is was happening when they didn't realize it. And by the time they did, like the damage was done, because if you go back to, I know I was raised, oh, I was yeah. born in the 1960s, raised in the 1970s, you know, yeah, 60s values had begun to take hold, but they hadn't really infiltrated yet. And, and in general, there was still, um, you know, we were cohesive as a country in terms of what we value. Oh, you political fence. So it didn't have to be parents. I should be so, um, uh, yeah. And didn't have to be so, um, vigilant in, in what, oh, sorry. I paused because it said my internet, my internet connection. Yeah. You cut unstable. out for a second. There oh, you go. I did. You're okay. Back now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope this goes okay. Um, they didn't, parents didn't have to be as vigilant about counteracting those messages because they, they either weren't there or they were just beginning to be instilled and there just wasn't any awareness of it. But parenting has a whole nother layer to it today that didn't exist when I was growing up. Yeah. And you have to be aware of what's what they're being fed so that you can counteract it. And unfortunately, that's a tall order for a lot of parents, especially busy parents who aren't paying attention and or who don't have the time or don't know how to do it. And there's just there's just a lot there that's really unfortunate that parenting has this element to it because it shouldn't have to be that hard. They shouldn't have to fight a culture. That's just not right. It's just where we are. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people when they send their kids to school, because I know a lot of family friends and people with kids that are in school right now, there are issues going on, issues going on in areas that are not progressive communities. Like my family don't live in a crazy like city or anywhere. They kind of live in the middle of nowhere and issues with the schooling. And once again, by the time it's happened, all of these parents that their kids are coming home with crazy ideas of white supremacy, like literally calling their parents white supremacists and fascists. And they're like, what is going on? Because they just assumed, no, 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 I'm just sending them to school. They're learning their ABCs. They're learning mathematics like I did when I went to school. They're just, And maybe yeah. that was not only inevitable, but maybe that's what has to happen to wake mm. parents up, to realize there's nowhere else to go. It's, it's on you now, right? If you're not going to homeschool them, you can at least school them when they are home with truth. Yeah, there's a lot of which is what your book is about moving to homeschooling. It's oof. I've seen I've seen families torn apart, torn apart by the things kids are being taught in schools. Like obviously I don't want to get into specifics, but you know, like gender transitions at super young ages, coming home and like basically uh not wanting to talk to parents ever again because the schools had taught them they're bigots. And of course. I mean, Lauren, I don't know how you guys are going to deal with it. I mean, I feel, I mean, I feel guilty, like coming out on the end of this about to be an empty nester. Like I said, like, I can't even imagine dealing with this. Oh, my husband ago, have a plan. My ago. husband and I are like, we, I, I remember him turning to me and being like, we will send our child to an Islamic school before we send him to a public school. Like for real. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And no public. It's, it's actually interesting um, that that happens. Most Islamic kids, if there's no Islamic school, they'll send their kid to a Catholic yeah. school, vice versa, because so, at least yeah. there's some premise, there's some baseline of men and women, you know, yep. uh, so, good and bad. There's like a baseline to work there with. There is a baseline. So my <laughs> kids are both Catholic school educated all the way through. Yeah. And um, you don't have, and as was I, and I'm not even Catholic. So I married a Catholic and my kids are Catholic. So we're a Catholic family. But I say that to say, even even if you're not Catholic, you can take advantage of Catholic schools. As a non-Catholic, I went through Catholic schools um, and they welcome that. So you don't have to be Catholic, although I understand mm -hmm. why somebody might not want to do that because they don't want the Catholic piece. But anyway, it, it I think there's going to be a resurgence. I'm already seeing it in our area of the Catholic schools because there's totally. nowhere else for people to go. Totally. We don't have an Islamic school here, so. Yeah. <laughs> My, my son is actually getting christened next week. So uh, oh, yeah, I, I also married a Catholic, but, um, oh, awesome. I, yeah. So the, our plan is just to not even go anywhere near 
public schooling. We Good think plan. it's absolutely insane madness to send your kid to a public school. I don't Agreed. know. I like it's it's at the point where when so when I was just leaving school, they had just brought in a social justice class for grade 12. So I was at the very end of all this stuff. I just started to see it like peering over the fence and coming over. And that's, that's also what kind of sparked my vigilant response and like doing all this internet stuff is because I, I got the first peak of that behemoth we were about to deal with. And I knew it was going to eventually just swarm through the institutions and it has. Um, and I remember sitting in class and we had to do all these tests about our white privilege, all these tests about, you know, just how, how horrible we were for being born in the Western world. And just, I, I remember circling on a test I did, what color foundation do you wear? You're privileged. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I, you have to understand, like, I grew up in a family that Oh, this is something that's so frustrating to me because I had a mainstream media outlet write an article about me that went viral a few months ago. And they wrote that I grew up in one of the wealthiest suburbs in Vancouver, completely invented. They just made it up because they can't imagine someone who's a conservative white person growing up any different way. But my grandmother, she's a war orphan who got in a boat from Australia at 16 years old. She was sent to Australia from London and then got in a boat at 16 because she was abused by her home and came to Canada. And, um, you know, my, my mom grew up literally hitchhiking across the country and dumpster diving for food in some cases. It was crazy. And then my dad's side, poor immigrants. Uh, we've got family that are addicts like it's just a it's there, there are problems there but my parents worked so hard to give me a good childhood when I was born I slept I'm pretty sure they used a box in the bathtub for cribs at points but they worked so hard to give us a good life and now I have to be told that my parents were privileged that my family was privileged ah, when you can't make sense of it when you can't make sense of something then that's the only thing you can go to. I remember being told that my I must my family has all come from um, wealth because my mother had a both my parents have uh, MBAs. They're mm-hmm. gone now, by the way, but they were born mm-hmm. in 1922 and 1930, respectively. And um, my mom had an MBA and she went to Radcliffe in the 1960s, 50s, excuse me. Um, and my grandmother had a who was born in the 1800s had a college degree. So mm-hmm. when um, feminists got a hold of that. Well, that's the only reason you can be anti-feminist because you can afford to be because you grew up with it because they were, if they, if they got those degrees, it's because they were wealthy. There's because nobody back then could have gotten a degree any other way. Completely false. Like so false is I'm not even go through the litany of why it's, why it's false. It just is false. So well, you know, what's funny it. is they, they then go to me and say, you didn't finish your degree. So you're an idiot. <laughs> so yeah. Like, what Take them it? as compliments. If you can't, if, you know, if you don't have an argument, you're just going to attack things that don't even make any sense and have no basis in reality. I love it. Yeah. You're, so anyway, they, so I love the. Go oh, ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Yeah. No, I just love the idea that that like if you have a degree, then then you're privileged if you disagree with them, and if you don't you're have stupid. a degree, then you're a fool. And how do you yeah, win? Yeah, yeah, how do you yeah. win, Lauren? <laughs> how do you win? You don't win. Well, I love the book. Um, I mean, it's great. I, that's, I mean, I did get it everybody in advance and read it. And it's very cute. And it's, I love it. There's, I, I don't know that there's anything like it on the market, right? I oh, mean, maybe you. there will be in the future. Well, that's, that's exactly why I wrote it is because there really isn't. I feel, you know, they, there aren't many conservative, more um, dissident views within the arts because right. I mean, if, when you're more conservative, you go and get a trade. You don't you don't go into art school because it's like, well, am I going to be able to uh, pay the bills with this? It's very, you know, people think forward. And also conservatives get forced out of the arts in a lot of cases yep. with it being yep. such a progressive realm. You do one right. project that is a bit dissident and your professors, anyone, they'll completely just bully, if not bully you out, cancel you. And you won't be able Absolutely. to be an author Absolutely. anymore. You won't be able to produce films. So they just get bullied out of the arts. So I really think we need more conservative arts that reach out. Because the mind, there's always that quote, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, feelings don't care about your facts. And half the nation, quite frankly, do operate on feelings. And I don't think that's entirely a bad thing. Feelings have caused for most of human history, the actions, whether it be Helen of Troy or people just fighting because they love their family. Emotions are what motivate us. Facts are what guide us on what to use those like how to 
regulate and navigate those emotions and get to the ends that we want. But still, most people communicate using feelings and we need to be able to communicate with stories, with heart, with soul. And uh, if we can't learn to do that, we will never win the culture. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a really good point. And for parents that don't know how to begin to counteract the stuff, you know, Henry, the sheepdog is a great example of how they can do that. So you don't have to come up with your own way of doing it and do all the research, just read them the book. And at the end of the, at the end of the book, you'll have a conversation about what that means. It'll jumpstart it. I think, isn't that part of what you want to do? That's that's the, that's the hopes that it'll just get that little hamster wheel going in in your mind and your kid's mind. Like my dad did for me all the time, you know, is, is everything I read true? Or should I ask a couple more questions? That's all we want kids to be asking. And that'll save them a lot of pain later in life. It'll save them a lot. Like, I can't even, you're, you're giving, you're giving someone the ability to critically think by, and it's not just my book, anything else you can find like it. It's a, it's an amazing gift. The, the ability I'm going to make my daughter think. listen to that statement that you just made, Lauren, because she's somebody who, <laughs> I guess there can be such thing as growing up with too much of that. And she's like, I know already. I know already. Stop. I'm so done. Well, she's 20. She's almost 21. She's just home temporary from college. So I really don't give her, teach her any lessons anymore because I overwhelmed her with lessons, you know, that are opposite of what she was enduring in the outside world. And she's like, I can't do it anymore. Well, all those things my parents told me, you'll thank me later for, I've thanked them later for. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm still waiting. I'm still (laughs) waiting, Lauren. Okay. So before we close out, I just want you to tell people about your, I don't want to leave without you talking about your documentaries. You have a third documentary that you just did called Crossfire. So tell everyone about that. Yeah. So Crossfire is, I would have loved to be on the ground filming because all my other documentaries, I am in it. I am there investigating, but I actually was not allowed in America for my political views. They blocked me, questioned me for a while, asked me about my last documentaries. So I decided to make it anyways, because I think the political battle between Black Lives Matter and policing is one of the most fascinating um, things going on in our time. And that's what I love to tackle. And also it is one of the those political events that has almost more disinformation about it than actual information. And that has not been counteracted on a deep dive level that I've seen to date. So I uh, hired my crew, Scooter, and he went on the ground. He did the movie hoax with Mike Cernovich, absolute champion, flew him out to Portland for the first filming session. He went into the protests, hit his face filmed everything going on. And then we flew them all around America, getting interviews with experts. I mean, we have, uh, we have criminologists in there. We have constitutional law experts. We have lots of cops in it. We have leaders of Black Lives Matter. We've got all of it. And it's a very, it, it'll just pull your mind in so many different directions. It starts with just showing all these different opinions going on. And then we really unpack what the truth is in the film. So uh, it's going to come out in literally like a day or two here though. (laughs) Oh, so, okay. So tell, I know I saw the, um, the trailer, but that's all I've seen, which is awesome. So where do we see it? It's going to be published right now. I'm thinking I'm I'm publishing it on my own website. I did my last two documentaries on YouTube, but because this documentary has such heavy controversial themes, I am almost a thousand percent positive. It'll just be removed from YouTube immediately. So I'm just hosting it on my own website. So that's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Southern, S-O-U-T-H-E-R-N.net. Dot net. Yeah. So it'll, it should be on there. (laughs) Great. Awesome. In the next day or two next day or two how long is it oh gosh don't even ask me oh sorry (laughs) no no no. it's two hours I'm just I'm embarrassed by how long it is because usually I like to keep well no not embarrassed it's just like funny we we didn't want to cut anything out we're like it's so good (laughs) we couldn't we couldn't make cuts so it's a it's a commitment to watch but it's great like I I wouldn't want to scooter and I wouldn't want to cut anything anyway my last films are like an hour and 12 minutes okay (laughs) Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see it. Very exciting. So the next day or two, and this is today's the 28th. This will come out on Sunday in the new year. So by the time, um, by the time people read this or see this, they um, are not read, sorry, listen to it or watch it on YouTube. Um, they can access that at laurensouthern.net. Yay. Very oh, exciting. So exciting. Yeah. Wow. You gave birth twice this year. I or no, know. wait, how old is your son? He's a year. He's a year. I mean, so. 2020, was he born? He was in born at the very end of 2019. Of 2019. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, gave birth awesome. this year. It's, <laughs> it's, I also wanted to get this documentary out like right before 2021. Cause that means I got one out 2018, 2019, yeah. 2020, awesome. despite taking a year break to have a kid. <laughs> Amazing. Where are you in Australia? Uh, right now I'm in Brisbane, just visiting family. So do you like it over there? I do. I, uh, there, it should be illegal to have Christmases in hot weather though. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Here, 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 here. <laughs> Couldn't agree but I more. survived my family here. Okay. Are lovely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was so great to talk to you, Lauren. Really appreciate your coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Okay. Hope to, uh, hope to see you sooner rather than later. Sounds good. Take care. Today's email is from Ellen who just signed up to be a subscriber on my site. And when you do that, you get a free ebook called Think Like a Woman to Get the Love You Want. And that's how she opened her email. Dear Suzanne, I just read Think Like a Woman to Get the Love You Want and thought it was outstanding. I grew up in an abusive and violent home and both my parents behaved very badly. I never married for fear I would recreate the situation I grew up in. For many years, I felt a tremendous amount of anger towards men due to the behavior of my father and brothers. And as a result, my romantic relationships with men were short-lived and generally shallow. After working in the corporate world for four decades, I've come to see how difficult it is to be a man in both the corporate and non-corporate world and have developed great empathy and appreciation for their situation and effort. Your treatise is beautifully written and expresses an excellent analysis of our current situation and offers very wise counsel in healing it. In all the years I spent in the corporate world, I saw few happy marriages among the people I worked with, and I never saw a high-powered career woman who struck me as emotionally balanced and happy. So many of the younger women climbing the corporate ladder appeared to be headed in the same direction. I would highly recommend your excellent article and videos to any young woman, or excuse me, any woman, young or old, even if they came from a highly dysfunctional family like mine. There is a lot we can learn and gain from your work. Thank you for your writing. Sincerely, Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. That's very sweet of you. And I wanted to pass on some of that um, wisdom to my listeners who uh, many of whom uh, likely grew up in very unhealthy situations themselves. And it's so important to hear the perspective of other people in similar boats. So I really appreciate that. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook. Just type in the Suzanne Venker show in the Facebook search bar and it'll come right up. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or a comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Bye.